This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 11. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings. What's happening, guys? Uh, Thanks for listening. I am Grant Baldwin. You are listening to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast we are at episode 11 today, and uh, super, super excited that, uh, that you decided to hang out with us. I, I hope that these interviews, now that we are, are magically into double digits, I hope these have been helpful for you. I hope they've been inspiring. I hope that you've been uh, encouraged. Maybe you, you've begun the journey of just kind of thinking in your own mind of what it is that you want to do, what it is that you were put here on this planet to accomplish. So today we, uh, we're bringing to you an interview with my friend Thomas Frank. Thomas runs a, a website called collegeinfogeek.com. And while this is a site that's really geared towards college students, it, it's really uh, got so much information, and this interview has so much information that's relevant for anybody, really regardless of what stage they're at in life. Now, one of the things that Thomas talks a lot about, we talk a lot about internships, test driving, career choices before starting and diving into something. And in fact, he, he shares a cool story about the internship that he had actually between his sophomore and junior year, how it had a huge, huge impact on him and what he is doing today, and the impact that it had on him is isn't exactly in the way that you would think so. So check out, uh, be sure to, to check that out. That's pretty cool. And then also uh, we'll talk a little bit about how getting rejected by a major website was one of the best things that happened to him and how it didn't get him down, how actually, this is crazy, but the publisher of that site came back to him later and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to tease you with that and let you see how that plays out when Thomas shares that story. Uh, but we also just talk about starting something young while you're even in college or even your your 20s or even below, you know, in, in your in high school or or uh, basically wherever you're at, starting something now and trying to figure out if that thing will work. Does a lot of times we think whenever it comes to a job or a career, we have to just quit our job on Friday and we have to figure out what the magical solution is on Monday. You don't have to do that. You, you could start some type of side thing right now just to figure out, is this what you want to do? Is there any traction to this? Is this something that's going to work? And, and figure out if it's something that's going to be a fit for you. But you don't know unless you try. So you got to start somewhere and you got to be willing to, to give that a shot. So I think you're really going to enjoy today. As always, make sure that you check out the show notes at grantbaldwin.com slash Thomas Frank. And um, you can find all the links, everything that we discuss, all of the uh, summary of the show uh, you can find there. So again, grantbaldwin.com slash Thomas Frank. So without any further delay, here is my friend, Thomas Frank. Thomas, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing today? Great. How you doing, Grant? Doing awesome, buddy. Thanks for hanging out with us. So first of all, you run the website collegeinfogeek.com. Tell us a little bit about the site. What exactly is it? Is it about? Who is it for? Give us a snapshot. Yeah. So College Info Geek is a web resource for students who want to make their college experience epic, I guess. I basically started it to share all the things I was doing to try and make my own college experience the best it could possibly be. And over the almost four years that I've been running it, it's just kind of blossomed into this much bigger deal than I ever expected. So I basically want to teach students how to learn better, be more productive, get the jobs they want, and ultimately graduate with as little debt as possible so they can be free to do what they want after school. Nice. Well, take, take us back for a second. When did this idea kind of come to be? And when was it something that you started first kind of tinkering with? So was this something in, in high school? Or is it more just something even in college where it's like, okay, I'm recognizing the people around me. 
are doing it differently than I'm doing it and not necessarily in a, in a good way of what they're doing, kind of creating a financial mess for themselves or no idea what they want to do. So how did this idea of for College Info Geek kind of come about and how did it come to be? Well, I think the uh, initial idea happened after freshman year in college. But before that, even in high school, my sort of mindset with uh, regarding college and regarding basically anything was I wanted to figure out the best way to do it. And the main reason for that is, you know, I I watched family members and people I knew and graduating in 2009, I'd watched the 2008 financial crisis hit everyone and all these layoffs were happening and all this just bad stuff was happening. So I was like, how can I position myself to never have to deal with being at somebody's mercy and having my job, you know, dropped from under me or something bad like that? How can I make sure I'm sort of a linchpin as Seth Godin calls it? And so I just started looking for the best ways to make myself stand apart. And in college, that led me to a blog called Hack College, which is basically the college version of Lifehacker. It was all run by students and it had been started by students. And it kind of opened my mind to the possibility of a college student being able to build a popular blog and write to a big audience while still in school. And I was like, this is really cool. So I spent all of freshman year reading that blog, learning a lot. And near the end, they started asking for people to apply to be writers. So I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm an information systems major. I'm not an English major or a journalism major. But I figured that having a, a writing portfolio on a big site would be something impressive. So I applied. I sent in a potential guest post along with my resume and all that junk. And about a week later, they rejected me. So and so I have <laughs> Off to a post. good start. Yeah, so I mean, I'll dejected and everything, you know, get the email message, hey, you're great, you know, but you're not great enough. <laughs> not great enough, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this post that was, you know, over a thousand words, and at the time it felt like a lot, and I'm like, I don't want to just do nothing with this. So I googled how to build a WordPress website and started tinkering my way through the tutorials, and I found the famous five-minute install, which took me probably 50 minutes to do, but... <laughs> Eventually, after a night, I got a basic template up and I put up my article and I was like, this will be cool. I'll have my own website. I'll be able to share the things I'm doing to be better at college and study faster and all that stuff. And maybe when I graduate, I'll be able to show this to recruiters. It'll be something that'll be impressive and set me apart and win-win for everybody. Nice. And so that's kind of the origin, yeah. So their, their rejection of you is probably one of the better things that happened to you in college. Yes, indeed. And uh, the, the guy who the, was the editor at the time, he said, man, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made. <laughs> but looking back, it was actually great because I've learned so much more running my own thing. And we've also been able to work together over the years. Nice. Did you did you feel like when you first wrote the article, even when you turned it in, it was you kind of viewed it as, I'm just going to do this on the side. This is going to be kind of a side thing. Like at what point did you, even whenever you decided, hey, let's go ahead and make our own thing, did you start to get the sense that maybe this could be something? Because it sounded like it started more as this is more like just a digital resume of kind of a portfolio of here's something I'm doing, I'm hustling, I'm making something on the side that hopefully employers would be impressed with. Is that kind of the idea? Was that, was that more of what it was trying to be? Is just uh, how is this going to help me get a job initially? Yeah, it was completely a side project. Freshman year, even sophomore year, my main goal as a IS major was to eventually get a job in the basement of some corporation running lots of Unix scripts on tons of computers. And I basically wanted to be the bastard operator from hell. If you ever read those stories online, they're pretty funny. But I wanted to be like the, you know, like the systems administrator for a big company. And that had been my goal since the end of high school. And I was pretty set on doing it. And this was just kind of a side venture 
to learn how to like hack my studies and everything and, and share what I was learning. So you've got this dream to work in the basement. So that's all that <laughs> sounds glamorous and exciting and sexy right there. Very glamorous. So you've, you've got this dream, but then you're doing the site on the side that's ideally going to help you land the basement job. At what point did it kind of turn the corner and realize, well, I don't know, this basement thing sounding less and less appealing. And this little side gig I've got going, the side hustle is starting to sound a little more interesting. Like when do you, do you remember, was there like a, like even a day or a moment where it started to shift or is it more just kind of a gradual thing over time where you felt like I'm stumbling into this thing that I never intended it to be, but I see what it's becoming and I'm, I'm digging it? Or how did that transition take place for you? Well, there was certainly a day that I could call the catalyst, but I think there are two key events that sort of shifted my mind over to what I'm doing now from my old goal. And the first one was getting featured on Lifehacker, which in one day like shot my traffic up to 10,000% of what it normally was. I mean, I was getting maybe like 40 to 50 visits a day, if that, before then. And one day I just threw up this fun little DIY post that I had done to make a desk that hangs from chains instead of actually rests on legs. And apparently they liked it and they posted a link to it and stuff started blowing up. And uh, after that, I was like, okay, this is cool. And my competitive instincts sort of kicked in at that point. So I started writing more and more articles and seeing if I could get team members to start helping me out and kind of building into a bigger thing. The same summer that I did that, I did my first internship at a big corporation in the IT department. And when I had interviewed, I didn't interview, but when I had networked with the people and they'd asked me what I thought I would maybe like to do, I was like, networking sounds cool because I'll be able to rush around the corporate campus and get exercise and plug in a bunch of wires and wire up servers and all that stuff. And my expectations definitely didn't meet the reality of the internship, which was basically sitting in a cubicle 40 hours a week in some firewall software, making changes, blocking Facebook for people, and definitely not what I expected and not what I liked at all. So for most, you know, for most of the internship, I would get my work done. I would ask for extra work because I wanted to impress uh, my, my employers, but I also was working on the blog, writing articles probably five a week at this point and just really hustling on it. And as time went on, it just started paying off more and more. Adobe sent me out to Los Angeles to cover one of their conferences, which just blew my mind. And it just ended up becoming a really cool thing. And eventually, I started realizing that a lot of students do need a resource like this. And they're reading the stuff that I make. So I just kept kept going with it. That's crazy. How did you, just from a practical standpoint, for someone that may be listening that's interested in, in maybe they're doing a blog, they've got their side thing, and they're looking to a life hacker type of site that could potentially help them, you know, jump and grow by leaps and bounds. How do you get in front of a site like that or get your, your work on, uh, published by them or linked to by them? So that's an interesting question because I didn't try to do this at all. So I it was pure, my, pure luck and accident. Yeah. I'm like the accident guy. My friend Navid Moazes has a, a guest post on his site right now about like the guy who was on his site was writing about how to get on life hacker and I mean, the only advice I can give is just build relationships with people. I think the way that it happened for me was I had posted my thing. I had made sure to become friends with the, the uh, Hat College writers and editors, even though they rejected me. And I think the day after I published my DIY thing, they picked it up because they liked it. And then they had already made relationships with Lifehacker who saw it from there. So it was kind of like a second degree sort of thing. And over time, I've emailed certain things to Lifehacker and they never pick it up. So it's it's very much a hit and miss, whatever works for them kind of thing. Right. Uh, and I think just the more people you know who might be in their sphere of influence, 
the better off you're going to be. You throw enough things against the wall that eventually something's going to uh, stick. And oftentimes right. it seems like the things that do end up sticking are the things you'd never anticipate. And the things that you sink like massive amounts of work, like this is going to be it. This is going to be my epic post. It's going to blow traffic up. It just doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it's, it's weird how that works like that. But uh, generally that seems to, seems to be the case. So you do this internship and you just, you seem to, to get into it and you just, it's just not what you signed up for. It sounds like, is that right? Yeah. I mean, it was a good experience and my coworkers were great, but the actual work of it wasn't exactly what I expected. And definitely nothing I enjoyed. It seems like that's the case with, I mean, whether someone's doing an internship or something completely different, uh, maybe it's something where it's like, you know, I graduated, I've got my degree, I'm starting off into my first career and I'm a year or two into it. And I just realized like, this isn't at all what I signed up for. Like, why do you think that is that most, most of us, like most of us are, you know, hopefully most of us that are listening to this, that are fairly self-aware people that like have a good sense of who they are, where it is that they want to go, what it is that they want to do with their life. We know what we want to major in. We know, have a pretty good sense of what we're passionate about, what we're good at, how all these things translate into a career. We think we've got a pretty clear direction or path of where it is that we want to go. But then there's so many people that you and I meet or know who get into their first thing and they're like, whoa, this sucks. Like this isn't at all wired well for me. Why do you think that is that so many of us have just a difficult time like honing in on that thing that we, we want to do? Well, there are a lot of reasons I think, but ultimately it comes down to we anticipate something different than what we actually experience. And this happens almost all the time in, in every aspect of our lives. But with work, you know, you kind of you go to class, you you learn about the majors through presentations, maybe through doing a job shadow if you're uh, proactive, but you're not actually in the thick of it. You're never doing the work. You're just learning about it and you're anticipating what it might be like. You don't actually know until you go and get experience, which is why doing an internship is a really, really good idea. And I think the, the another reason is, quite frankly, recruiters are selling you on the job. Right. I mean, when right. you go to the career fair... You know, you, you might think that you're the one that needs to sell yourself, which is true, but they're there to get the best talent and to recruit the best talent. They are still competing against all the other companies and they want to make the position sound as good as possible. And uh, as my friend Barrett Brooks said, when I interviewed him for my podcast, when you get to the job, it might not be exactly what they told you it was going to be because when you're there, um, you're there to help them and whatever they need you to do, they're going to have you do. So it might not be exactly what was described. It's probably not going to be what you expect. And only experience will actually show you that. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like, you know, I liken it to like a test driving a car, you know, or even doing a campus visit for a college, you know, a car manufacturer, a dealership, a college, they're all their job is to put their best foot forward. And so, you know, like, for uh, whenever I speak to high school students, I ask them, you know, how many of you are getting information and mailings and that kind of stuff from colleges? Like, what are the things that they have in common? Is that all of the colleges look beautiful? They've been photoshopped to perfection, and they want to put their best foot forward. And they only have pretty people that attend their college, and all of the people that are on their their brochures or on the covers, they're all like uh, creepy, uh, happy, you know, and and unrealistic ways. And it's just like they're all trying to sell you on something. But for some reason, whenever it comes to a job, we feel the need to like, I just got to do whatever I need to do to get my foot in the door to get in with that employer. If I can get in with them. It's going to open up other doors. I'm going to be set for my life. I'm going to be set for a career. And yet, unfortunately, oftentimes that just, it just doesn't seem to work out like that. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. At what point when you're, you're kind of doing College Info Geek, you're doing the internship, you're doing College Info Geek on the side, at what point did you realize, okay, maybe the basement thing's not the best path for me, and I think I could actually make a go of doing the blog and the website? Well, I think the basement thing was pretty much out after the internship was over. And uh, after that, I was like, you know, maybe I can be a web developer. I do like making websites. I've done a lot of design on my blog and for other things, so that could be a cool thing. And... Okay, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt. Okay, I want to know what that feeling's like of you cuz at what point what year are you when you did your um your internship? How far are you into your college? That was after sophomore year, so okay. halfway through. So you're halfway through. You've spent 2 years time, money, hours working towards this degree. You do an internship and realize that this isn't at all what I want to do. A, that's good that you find that out 2 years in and not 3 or 4 years in. But B, does it what's that feeling like? Do you feel like I've wasted my time. Do I feel like I've made a big mistake? Or where's kind of your head at at that point? Not at all, actually. I really considered it a win, both for the fact that I had definitely learned a lot, even though I don't really care to you know, edit settings and firewalls for the rest of my life. I can't deny that the internship did teach me a lot. I got to make connections with a lot of professional people. I got to go to lunch with them and basically get all their tips on on success in life and just basically become friends with them. The whole process of getting the internship was a huge learning experience. And I wrote an entire series that basically detailed my internship. So I got a lot of cool content out of it. And it was just a great experience. So it was definitely a win. I think it was something that every college student should do. And I'm glad that I did it so I can kind of describe it. But also I I viewed it as, okay, I know that I need to get experience so I can start to learn what I do and don't like. So it's never a waste if something doesn't exactly work out the way I want it to because I'm simply tuning my mind to the map or I'm tuning my mind as a map to the reality of the world and my preferences in it. Nice. I'm learning more about myself. And send it, I'd love to, if you can send me a link to that, uh, the internship thing, I'd, I'd love to, we can link that up in the show notes. That'd be, oh, yeah. that'd be cool for people to, to check out. But it sounds like you never felt like you were too deep in to make a shift or to make a, a change, which I think a lot of people find themselves in the opposite spot where it's like they would view it as, well, I'm two years into this. I'm stuck. I might as well just write it out, even if it's not something that I want to do, but they just feel they feel stuck or they feel trapped. It seems like you just you viewed it completely opposite. It's like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's a good thing I found out now and not later. And I, I, I did learn some skills and I was able to network and was able to just to see the, the upside of, you know, a, a huge shift in, in direction. Exactly. As long as you are always trying to progress forward, and you are trying to achieve your goals, there is going to be a significant amount of your effort that is useful for the future. Even if what you were shooting for isn't exactly what you want now, there are useful things that you did that you can bring over to your current goals. And so that's what I saw. And I didn't really feel like I was too deep in. And I think um, the, the key factor in that is I knew that I could learn things on my own. I had known ever since college started that most of my learning and education had come from outside of the classroom, whether it be through my part-time job or through research for articles or just reading things. Most of what I learned had been not taught to me in a classroom. So I didn't think, oh, I need to change my major and take on $10,000 more of debt. I thought, okay, my major is not that much work relatively. I'll finish it and I'll make sure to hustle in my free time to learn what I actually care about. Gotcha. So you, you, even at that point, even though you felt like this major may not help me in the direction that I'm going, you felt, was it just a sense of obligation that I wanted to finish this and that I wanted to, to at least wrap it up, even though it may not necessarily contribute to what I wanted to do in terms of a career? It, I think it was more like, 
I know that I didn't need college classroom experience to do what I wanted to do from that point onward. So I guess I wanted to graduate because the guy who runs a college blog should probably not drop out of college. And also <laughs> I had a scholarship that paid for my tuition. So I had taken on $15,000 of debt during freshman and sophomore year. And after that, I was like, I'm done taking on debt. So no more dorms, no more meal plans. Beginning of junior year, I was an RA, which paid for room and board. And then for the rest of college, I lived in apartments. So I didn't have to take on any more debt. And I was like, there's there's no reason to drop out because it's not a horrendous amount of work. It is good to have a degree if it's not going to cost me too much to get it at this point. Right. I might as well just keep on going. And then gotcha. I am free to learn what I want on right. the side to do what I want. Good logic. It sounds like you're, you're halfway through a summer between sophomore, junior year. You're realizing that what you're majoring in, that the original path of travel is not what you want to do. At what point did you realize, I think I could actually do this college info geek. This is more than just like a side hobby. Like, I think I could actually make a living from this. Probably when I started making enough money to make a living. <laughs> and so how did you start monetizing it? Like at what point did you realize, okay, instead of just doing this on the side, I'm just writing this and a few people read it and my mom likes it. That's great. But was there a point where, okay, I'm, I've got enough traffic. Was it maybe, maybe even after the life hacker thing hit where it was like, okay, enough people are coming to the site um, that I think I, I, I see a way that I could actually monetize this. Yeah. So up to that point, I hadn't really cared about monetization at all. And afterwards, I had started doing so much more work on it that I was like, maybe I can try some monetization efforts. And the first things were like Amazon affiliate stuff. And that, you know, that eventually started bringing in maybe 50 to 100 a month. And sponsorships were pretty cool, especially the ones with Adobe where I got to fly out to L.A., and again, a year later to San Francisco, and I was like, maybe that could be a thing. But really, like promotions aren't sort of my thing. So I wanted to figure out another way to do it. And what ended up being the monetization strategy that worked for me was building a big tutorial on how to build a personal website or a blog and basically just recommending the hosting that I had used. And then I figured out my hosting company has an affiliate program. I can make commissions off of whoever actually cares to use my link. If not, that's fine. But enough people do that eventually I started building up to enough of an income to live on. So that was a pretty cool, pretty cool turn of events. And I started to realize, okay, if that can stay strong, then I can keep doing this, even if it's, you know, not content exactly related to that same post. And as long as I keep the business as a whole, you know, rolling, then I'll be able to make an income. How long did that take to go from zero income to a point where it's like I'm making enough to make it work that I can I could do this? I think about two and a half years. So a while. Was. Yeah, definitely. It definitely takes a while. Right. So it's not just like a, I'm going to slap some ads up or I'm going to throw this affiliate link on and uh, that's the green light to the gravy train and I'm, you know, I'm good to go. Doesn't seem like it was that case at all. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, there are two prerequisites. The first being that you have to build enough of an audience to where uh, small transactions on you know, the certain percentage of visitors that are going to convert will actually add up to enough and the point to where you actually build up enough trust in your audience and authority as uh, a person in your niche to recommend these things and actually become a trustworthy person. So if you just, you know, come out of nowhere and you slap a bunch of ads up, like a lot of people think you can do, it's probably not going to work out because... So 
that doesn't differentiate you at all. Yeah, for sure. So, so going to that question of, of how did you get into that? If you were going to start it over, if you were doing it again, whether you're, you know, an early 20 something in college or whether you're, you know, maybe you're 30, 40 something and you've got this niche thing that you're like, I, th- I think I could do this. I think I could, you know, create a blog. I could create a site. I could create kind of a, a learning space around this. What would you do differently in getting started? I think the one thing I would do a lot earlier is to start to build connections with people in the same area. That's something I didn't really do up front. I kind of just started writing and I was very lazy in making connections. I eventually did. But I think if I were to start over and I had it in my head that I wanted this to be a serious thing, then I would start reaching out a lot more intensely. I would probably start a podcast and start interviewing lots of people and then keeping up with those people as time went on. And, uh, you know, I mean, not solely for a monetary gain or personal gain because building relationships is just fun. But I know from experience that the more people you meet, the more people that you help out, eventually it comes back and it helps you as well. So how do you feel like though for, for someone who maybe they're introverted, they're quiet, they're shy, or even they're coming, you know, when you're studying College Info Geek, you write, and even before you really started the site, it sounds like, you know, you write this, what you would describe as a, a killer, you know, thousand word post and you send it to to uh, a site that doesn't give you the time of day and just blows you off. How do you get in front or build relationships when maybe you're the new kid on the block and you don't necessarily bring as much value to the table as what you could gain from the other person in the relationship? So the method that I use for this, and this is the method that I recommend anybody use, even if they're a superstar, is uh, what I call the fan first method. And I'm sure that other people out here have come up with this as well. But essentially, be a fan first share their stuff, comment on their blogs, become a champion of their work, show off that you really appreciate what they're doing. And that gets you on their radar and it kind of builds you up as, you know, a person that they like because you're sharing their stuff, you're helping them out. And then eventually you can reach out and connect and they're much more likely to warmly receive what you want to say because they've already kind of seen you, you know, around the block. Whereas if you just kind of come out of nowhere and you're like, hey, I'm doing this too, we should we should work together. And right, it's right. Obviously, the pretext that I want to gain something from you, right. it's, it's much less compelling for the person to want to respond to you, I think. And it leaves a bad taste in someone's mouth when they're like, dude, I, I don't know you from Adam and you're, just, you're sending me this random cold email you know, wanting my help or something or wanting, wanting me to pimp something for you or whatever and I don't know you. It just rubs me the wrong way. and turn, It's an immediate turnoff. Exactly. I I mean, I think as people, you know, we are not completely rational beings and we have an affinity for the people we know and love. And uh, that can actually weigh more than the, you know, objective quality of of content that people are creating. For instance, my roommate has a language blog and objectively it only has about 12 articles on there. I think they're good, but it's it's still pretty small. And yet I'm like always sharing it because I love it. You know, I'm like my roommate's doing something cool. He's one of my best friends. And it makes me happy to see that. Whereas if somebody came out of the blue and they had like 300 articles, but I had no idea who they were and they immediately wanted me to help them out, you know, I mean, I could, I could look at their site and be like, that's objectively good, but I don't know you. Why should I care? You know, we're just human. We, we want to help the people that we like. Yeah. It took you two and a half years of doing it before you really realized like I could actually do this long term. This, this is a thing. How do you keep going for two and a half years? Because most people after a few months or even a few weeks perhaps are just saying, screw this. It's not worth the effort and time. I'm going to throw in the towel. Forget it. How do you persevere for two and a half years on something that could very well not pan out? Well, when there was no traffic 
I mean, it's like, you know, 30, 40 visits a day. I guess I adopted the mindset that it's a blog. It doesn't have to be this huge project. It is what I make it. So I'm going to write whenever the, you know, the urge strikes me. I'm going to try to keep it somewhat consistent. But if you look back to my archives from June 2010 up until I think it was May 2011 when the Lifehard article went up, you know, it was like between two and eight posts a month. Not a whole lot of effort. Uh, especially given that the length of most of those posts wasn't all that big. And I guess I just sort of enjoyed writing and, you know, there were enough friends that, that appreciated it. And I guess it just felt nice to build something up that was sort of like an achievement for me, even if it wasn't going too many places. And I also had a partner at that time who also wrote a few articles. So it was kind of like a joint thing. And then once the actual Lifehacker article went up, it was just like, okay, this is now a video game. I need to achieve as much as possible. So I'll just put a ton of effort into it without even really knowing exactly what I want from it. What kind of fears and doubts and insecurities did you have along the way? <laughs> the same fears and doubts and insecurities I have today. <laughs> <laughs> Does that ever go away? Like, it I mean, doesn't. you know, and I'm an entrepreneur myself, you know, I've been self-employed for the past about six or seven years. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's so much truth to that, that when you're starting, you're like, holy crap, this could work or this could be an epic failure. And I just don't know. And even, you know, even today, you know, we're years into doing whatever it is we do and feel like we've been had some moderate level of success to it. But yeah, you still have those days you're wondering like, I hope this whole thing doesn't collapse tomorrow. Exactly. There's there's always some degree of self-doubt and it comes from different sources when you're in different places in your life. When you're just starting out, you're like, is this even worth my time? Am I ever going to get on the radar of somebody who I admire? Is my work even good? You know, you're questioning all that. And then once you actually start to see some successes, it's awesome. And now the self-doubt shifts over to, can I actually maintain this? Or am I going to be a star that burns brightly but shortly? You know, so it it's always just a matter of having the confidence and the competence to work through that doubt and just keep creating things. I think the biggest thing is just to make things and and try things and and work and eventually things do work out if they don't then you try new things and you just be okay with the failures you know right you learn you just, yeah you learn to ride the, the highs and the lows and i mean as an entrepreneur and even just you know as an employee you always have those highs and lows there's when it's good it's really good when it's bad it's just like oh dear god what am i doing and you just kind of learn to stomach all of that you know whether you're an entrepreneur or not that's just that's part of life and it's you know there's days it's great and days it sucks but it's it's part of the journey. Exactly. I think, you know, the key element is just to keep working and keep creating things. For me, one of the biggest sources of self-doubt would be, you know, I look at work that I did a year ago and I'm like, hey, that's awesome. I was kicking butt back then. What am I doing now? Like, I feel like I've just kind of rested on my laurels for a little while. Even if I haven't, you know, it feels like I did because something I made a while ago is much more successful than something I made last week. And you just have to keep working. And, you know, I can objectively look at things I've made recently and say this is better even if it didn't do as well it is better I, I can see that my craft is improving yeah sweet dude well man you've given us some uh, great knowledge biscuits and i appreciate you sharing your journey and uh not only how you get into what you're doing now but also how uh, other people can do that and just uh, advice tips strategies uh great great stuff any final parting words of uh of wisdom Oh, man, <laughs> there are so many things. <laughs> Listen to the Grant Baldwin podcast. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's the Definitely. number one thing you should yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think it's uh, it's important to keep learning and keep trying to edit the map in your mind because your mind is a map of reality. So I just think that it's the best thing you can do is keep learning, keep trying things, and 
you will progress. Cool. Great stuff, man. How can people find out more about you? If people want to connect with you, where do we go? Yeah. Collegeinfogeek.com is my main website. And then I'm just Tom Frankly on Twitter and uh, everything else is easily findable from there. Beautiful. Dude, you're awesome. Keep it on. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Grant. All right. Peace out. All right, there you have it. Cool little uh, interview with Thomas Frank of collegeinfogeek.com. I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that was inspiring. Uh, again, loved hearing his story about how getting rejected by a major website publisher was really one of the best things that ever happened to him and how it really uh, affected in a positive way the trajectory and where his career is at today. So maybe for you, maybe you you would take Thomas's advice and, and realize maybe I need, I, need, I need to try something on the side. I don't know what it is, but I need to just try something. I know what I'm currently doing, isn't it? And it doesn't mean you have to quit your job uh, on Friday and that you, you magically have a whole plan for your life figured out on Monday. But start taking some type of action towards the kind of life that you want to have. If you don't do anything different, then you're going to continue to get the results that you have today and nothing will ever change. So at some point, you have to make that conscious decision that this kind of life that I'm living isn't the kind of life that I want to have. And so what is that kind of life that I want to have? What is that life that I want to create? And what do I need to do to begin taking steps and making progress towards creating the kind of life that I I do want to have? So again, uh, as always, you can find all of the show notes at grantbaldoncom slash Thomas Frank. Make sure that you stop by and check that out. Now, also, if you haven't had a chance already, uh, I would love for you to stop by iTunes and leave us an honest review or rating. Uh, that feedback is very, very encouraging, not only for me, but it also has a huge, huge impact on the iTunes ranking and rating system and how people find out about the show. So uh, if you haven't had a chance already, you can swing by grantbaldoncom slash iTunes, and that'll take you right to the, uh, the, the page within iTunes for the show. And we would love, love, love to hear from you. For example, there was a, a cool five-star rating we got from a... a, a uh, a, a guy named uh, Cole Sales. And Cole says, how did you get into that? Is a podcast that you need to follow and listen to, not only if you were a student in high school or college, but even an adult in the workplace wondering about life, uh, about office cubicle life. Grant Baldwin has hit a home run with this one, and it is something you definitely want to follow. So, so uh, thanks for that, Cole. We really appreciate that and that feedback. And uh, as well, we'd love to hear from you. So any feedback that we that you can provide, we would, we would love, love, love to hear from that. As always, you can always email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com, or follow me on Twitter at Grant Baldwin. And again, would love to hear from you. Anything that I can do to help you, support you as you kind of figure out and process what your next step is, what that looks like, what it is that you want to do with your life. We want to help you find and do work you love. So hopefully we're helping you process that a little bit. Hopefully this interview with Thomas has been helpful and uh, we will talk to you real soon. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.